Thank you for joining us today on our Eastside Church podcast. Today, Pastor John Parker will bring our message. Let's listen in. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Come on, isn't it good? You know that you don't have to have an imposter syndrome. You don't have to be religious. You don't have to come in here with any pretense. But just sons and daughters, amen? I wonder if it's possible in 2020 for us to get a revelation of the Father that every time he wants us to come together, he expects us to expect him to move. Like that anything is possible when the saints of God come together. Anything is possible. That, that burdens can be lifted when we come together. That, that people who are sick can be healed when we come together. That people who are broken can be whole when we come together. That's the type of expectation that I just feel the Father's heart is. And he's saying, awaken my church to believe again. You know, like it's easy and and especially with all the things that are going on in the world right now to have a heaviness about us and say, well, this year, you know, it was if you ask anybody about 2020, they say it was a rough one. But. And if I'm if I'm honest, in most conversations that I have with people believing or unbelieving, it all goes. There's a couple topics that are really high right now. And COVID is pretty much one of the top ones that's in every conversation. COVID, you might get some other type of crisis. You might get cancer in there. You might get some other type of chronic issue. But where is Christ in life right now? In the life of the believer, in our conversation, where is Christ? The Bible says... <laughs> Jesus says this himself. He says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to you. So there must be something. I'm I'm asking, is there a version of Christ that we have said we believe in that isn't biblical? Because is it possible for us to be so religious in the things but still stay unchanged? To not have Christ be on the front of our lips instead of an afterthought. We got to ask the hard stuff, y'all, because 2020 is shaking us to the core. If you had just some some lighthearted faith, 2020 probably would shake your faith because if someone you love gets a disease and dies, you are shaken if your faith was, well, I believe that because they were a Christian, they wouldn't have this struggle. What's the Christ that we believe in? And where is our assurance you know people pay thousands of dollars thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars a year and you know we got some people in here who sell insurance so I'm not coming for you but 2020 is a great year to sell insurance (laughs) but people pay thousands of dollars to have what insurance what and that is some company or organization making a guarantee that they will make sure that when something bad happens to you you'll be covered, right? And if we're all honest, we all are seeking a type of insurance in life. You're not here if you're not seeking some type of comfort, some type of stable in your life, some deep rooted feeling that in Christ, I'm going to church because I know that Christ is my answers. But if we're not careful, we'll submit to the ways of the world and we'll start looking for what is the insurance? How many times do I have to go? How much do I have to tithe? Oh, I'm not talking to nobody in here. 
How much do I have to give, Lord? Sound like the rich young ruler much? What exactly do you want so that I'll be good? Because I just don't want to die and go to hell. Is anybody honest there? I don't want to die and go to hell. I mean, y'all can, y'all can want it if you want, but I don't want that. But it can't be my motivation in living right now because there has to be something deeper. There has to be something more than me just trying to get fire insurance. I need blessed assurance. I need something that will soothe my soul that will make a guarantee upon this fleshly body, that will make a guarantee upon every sin that I have ever committed, every sin that I'm committing, and every sin that I will ever commit, that type of assurance that says, you're a son. Y'all, we need the church to be the church. We need sons and daughters to, to, to desubscribe or unsubscribe to the ways of religion that has taught us that God is either father or a judge. Newsflash, he's both. He's both father and he's both judge. And guess what? If your dad was a judge, he didn't stop being your father. He just kept doing his job. And you got to understand that the things in us, the things that religion has taught us, we're, we're entering into a time and season. We're entering into a reign right now in the earth where, the, where God is really deconstructing false religion. And some of us are holding on to it like a toddler in a pillow. I don't know. We're just holding on because this is what we've known of church. This is what we've known of religion. This is what we've known of God. And could it be that God will cause some things to look like chaos to get you to care? Some of us are seeking, we are holding on to trying to get man's approval for everything. And sometimes man's disapproval is really God's safety and shelter for us. Amen. In 1800s, there was a song that was penned, and it said, Blessed Assurance. Jesus is, oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. You know it. I was sitting with Pastor Alex last week, and we were just talking about a plethora of things, and this was one. And I just had this thought. I talked to people on all sides of the spectrum of what's going on right now, but the true root of the fear that it's almost tangible everywhere you walk is that people are scared of dying. You can call it COVID all the time. You can call it whatever you want. You can call it pandemics, all these things. But people are scared of and there's no assurance that we really that we're really on the right path. I know what we've heard. I know the scriptures that we've studied but I don't see the fruit of a people who believe that it's actually true I don't see someone, you you know Pastor Alex preached a a funeral yesterday and he said the most dangerous thing that we have to the world is that we don't fear death and I think that that's a true statement for those who actually believe that 
The most dangerous person that we've seen around about 9-11 were terrorists who were young and they actually believed in the cause that they believed so much to the point that they didn't care to kill themselves in the process. They didn't care if they died because they actually believed upon what they believed. And we, we know that to be false, but how many Christians believe that Christ is really the anchor for our soul? That he's really going to prepare a place for us. That, that, that something can, nothing, nothing can happen to this mortal body that will separate me from the love of God. Come on. If you know that, then when the headline comes about COVID and the counts, when the headline comes about someone you know that just died of chronic illness or sickness, you have a different perspective. It's not the fear that says, oh, well, how do I barricade myself from this impending doom? You have a different perspective that says, though things may happen to this mortal body, I know where I am headed. This is not my home. I'm just passing. Y'all, I'm not trying to talk like your old uncle this morning, but I really feel this. We were sitting here yesterday, and I was over here on this computer playing these songs for this memorial service, and it was a beautiful service and things, but y'all, I ain't gonna lie, it just really messed with me for a little bit because I had to put all these playlist songs together, and everything is sad and dreary and talking about it's so hard to say goodbye, and why do grandpas die, and all this stuff, and I began to have a reflection moment. I was like, I think I take for granted the number that's on the other side of the dash, There are people my age dying every day. And we're looking at 2021 like there'll be a 2022, 23, 24, 25, 26, and so on. But what about the cherishing of the day? Cherishing this day to say, God, what is your purpose for me and plan in this day? I'm not waiting till I have it all together. I'm not waiting till these big things are removed from my life. But what is it? today we gotta ask that question and we need to seek his blessed assurance pray with me father in the name of jesus right now god i i care less about delivering a nice packaged message more message of your heart for your people this morning god that you care and you don't want us afraid to die you don't want us afraid to transition from this life. And we come against every force that's trying to hold your people grip in the neck. Holding them so tight that they don't move in faith because fear is the currency of this world right now. And God, we rebuke that notion that that's for us. Father, so we align ourselves with you this morning. And we say, Holy Spirit, have your way. Come on, say, Holy Spirit, have your way. Amen. Amen. Let's look at Philippians 1. Starting at verse 19. It says, for I know that through your prayers... And the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, 
this will turn out for my deliverance. And as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul understands something about living. He understands what it truly means to live. If we could take a second and you just think and self-reflect, you can close your eyes if you want to, but imagine yourself living. What does it look like for you to live your best life? What does that really look like? You know, just take a moment just to be able to introspectively think for a second. What does it look like for me to really be fully alive? I think that one of the biggest things that we don't do on a regular basis is, be, is have self-assessments self of how we're actually doing. We wait for big things in life to happen where we then begin to ask these big questions. But if we just take a moment right now, not looking at me, not, not sitting there thinking about the point I'm getting at, but really ask yourself the hard question, how does living look for me? What do I think that really looks like? What's the best picture of living for me? Paul goes on in verse 22, he says, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor. Say fruitful labor. Which, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. See, this time of the year, this is a time of reflection. We should be asking the question to ourselves, what were the things that I did this year that were fruitful? What are the things that I want to carry on forward? You know, if, if the Lord wills, the things that I want to carry forward should be the things that were fruitful to live. What things are we striving for in this life that are not fruitful? Y'all, there's a ton. We're, we're sold so many images just by on TV, on your phones, everywhere you go of what living looks like. Some people, living looks like a beach in Jamaica, and there's just, uh, there, there's peace and serene, and oh, oh, now I'm in the house, right? You know, so, okay. <laughs> living, living really doesn't look like clocking into your job, does it? But, there, but there's more there. Paul, Paul says this, and let's get context for a second. Your boy Paul is in a prison. And I'm not talking about a United States prison in 2020 where you get gourmet meals and ed college education. I'm saying this brother's in a Roman dungeon. And he has decided that regardless of where he is, he will be submitted to the hand of God. Amen. So can we just set some context for how we're approaching? See, because some of you are waiting for 2021 to look better before you give God your best. Oh, I'll, I'll really serve you in 2021 because you know 2020 been hell. And if 20 was bad, 21, that mug's going to start drinking. He's going to be crazy. What does it 
does it look like to live? What is fruitful? What is multiplying? Chase that. We're always asking, Lord, what is your will? Lord, what should I be doing? Lord, all of these questions I see people asking, doesn't matter if they're young or if they're old, they're all asking the exact same thing. It doesn't matter if they're rich or poor, still asking the same thing. Lord, what is it that you want me to do? Whatever is fruitful and whatever is multiplying. Look at your life and say, what are the areas of my life that are fruitful? And don't say you don't have none. You might, it might not be the area that you want to be fruitful, but there's an area of your life where God is on. And it just might not look like the American dream. Right? It might not look like your name in lights and all this stuff, but what in life is fruitful? Because Paul, even in a prison, finds himself being fruitful. Amen? In verse 23, he says, I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart. I'm with Paul there. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is better. You know, we have this idea in Western Christianity that's been taught that we have to debunk and tear down, is that when people get saved, they're saved just for heaven. Oh, you want to you wanna, uh, depart from this world and all this wickedness? Just get saved. You'll be ready for heaven. Then you kind of just wait till you die. If that was the notion, if that was actually true, don't you think that when we were uh, when we were having altar calls and people were responding to Jesus, we'd need a mortician ready because everybody about to die. It'd probably be a pretty depressing preaching role because it was like, Lord, everybody keep dying, going to you. I'm still here. That's a notion that we have to debunk because for whatever reason, that is an easier way to preach in religion versus sonship, versus relationship, versus struggle, versus actually getting to know God in mess and messiness. Paul doesn't ask God to deal with the warden's heart and let's let him go right then. But he's real. He's honest about it. He's saying, hey, I would rather this happen. But What? That's where we're getting to. 24 says, but to remain in the flesh. To remain, I want to use this, in the flesh, to remain in fruitful labor. Once you come to know Christ, it is not about you making excuses for your sin problem. To say that I'm in the flesh means that I'm still pursuing Christ and I'm pursuing fruitful labor. I'm not making excuses for this flesh body. I'm not making excuses for the evil that surround me. But if I'm to remain, as Paul says here, verse 24, in the flesh or in fruitful labor, it is more necessary on your account. See, doesn't that read a little bit better than Paul just saying, well, if I'm just to remain old jacked up Paul, it's good for me to be here for you. You might learn something from my mess ups. Y'all, you're laughing, but this is the stuff that's preached. This is the stuff that's preached for so long. Why? Because it, it gives us an eraser and it gives us a whiteout uh, container for us to just make a new history over, over, or, or make excuses for unright living. 
That's what's easier to preach. Oh, man, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, JP. I mean, come on. What? Fruitful labor. Fruitful living. Living. What in my life has fruit on it? What in my life is multiplying? What relations, what relationships, I'm sorry, relations, y'all thought I was going a different direction. (laughs) What relationships have fruit on it? What relationships are multiplying? Invest there. What relationships are not fruitful? If the first is true, The opposite must also be true. If I'm going to invest in fruitful relationships, I probably need to retract from unfruitful. And living and stop blaming God. Stop blaming the circumstances. Stop blaming a pandemic for everything that's wrong in me. Stop blaming daddy, mommy, and all the other generations. You know, JP, I would be right, but I got this generational thing. See, my daddy was messed up. His daddy was messed up. His daddy was messed up. It all stop when you begin to, when you receive Christ, Jesus. When you come into a new sonship, when you come into a new, subscribe to a new assurance policy. That day you came to Jesus, that, that day, that day you really responded to his pursuing you. See, see we, we talk about this all the time that we, sin is not a, um, Jesus is not a footnote in the story of sin, but sin is a footnote in the story of, Paul understands this, that he is in the story of God. It is not God that's added to his story of his life. Some of us are treating God like an app. We download him and we use him when we need him. And then we ask for other updates. Oh, I need another word. <laughs> oh, I need another thing. <laughs> oh, I, I just, I, I, I could make it if, if you just give me a word. And I promise I'll, I promise I'll be back tomorrow. But you don't, use, you don't end up opening it again for weeks, months at a time until a big update comes where you, where you have, you can't use your entire phone. And now you're like, oh, I might want to go back and check <laughs> what's wrong here. We're using God as if he's a useless application in life. Only good for the temporal fix. Looking at the age of people in here. Okay, we're good. Otherwise, it's spiritual masturbation. We're, We're in it for the feels. This is what our version of Christianity in the West has taught. And this is what God is trying to deconstruct. He's father and judge. You don't just get into it for the feels. Respond to him. Scare everybody. Scare the hell out of everybody. They respond, and then you wait for them all to die. No, that's not how it works. He calls them into relationship. He calls them in as sons and daughters. Then he says, go live fruitful. And what? Multiply. That sounds like Genesis to me. So living in the flesh, if I'm not dead, means fruitful labor to God, not excuses for sin. Oh, I'm just in the flesh. Let me cuss you out because I'm in the flesh. No, I'm undisciplined and I haven't been discipled by nobody and I'm making excuses for not being plugged into God's family and knowing his word. That's the difference. Religion doesn't teach you that. Family teaches you that. You ever had a whooping, a real whooping? 
Take a kid that got whoopings versus a kid that didn't get whoopings. One of them is a leader. <laughs> you decide. <laughs> the other is unbridled. The other is wild. The other is seeking people and affirmations that will affirm their lifestyle. And that is the church. Unsubmitted to God. That's the church right now, y'all. That's us. I'm not talking about you like y'all got the problem and I don't. No, I'm just coming into opening revelation. I go to churches, see pastors all the time. I'm like, how did we get so far from the things of God? How do we get so in bed with politics? How did the prophets get balked? How does only God speak when your God's in office? How? How? Because somewhere we, be, we believed the gospel that was a false one. And it's our response now to tear it down. Tear it down. That's something that won't, it has no guarantee, y'all. It has no fulfillment beyond this life. It's only good to the ear right now. It's only good to put butts in the seats right now. But if we could hear the cries of the souls going to hell right now, would it change our perspective of the urgency that we live right now? The screams, the cries, I'm not scaring anybody into relationship. I'm saying there is a reality right now that hell could be expanding and no one in the earth is caring. There's a reality that right now, just as earthquakes are happening, shift plates and tectonics and all those things they taught you in science, all those things could be happening in hell right now, and no one in the earth is crying and standing up. We just care about our church services. How dare we? If we, if you, you know what the Bible says, it says if you being evil can give good gifts, even an evil person can give a gift, y'all. What makes you think that the Father's heart is for us? He's for us to respond. He's for you to be fully alive, for you to be, and what does fully alive look like? Fruitful. When you're talking about being fully alive in a body of church, I can't tell you how many people just come to church but don't serve. That's not fruitful. It doesn't look like Jesus. I can't get no help there. <laughs> that was all cool, JP, when you was talking to everybody else. But hold up, bro. You talking about me now. Y'all, seriously, seriously, it's the Father's heart. It's the Father's heart for you right now. If I could talk to a room that somebody in this room could be imminently where I was sitting yesterday and a family could be mourning your loss next week, how would I preach to you? I would leave my life on the line proclaiming the works of Christ so that you actually get it. I would care less about the metrics of church in America in 2020. What's cool, what's buzzing, what's popular. Because that's all relative. It will change. But what stays the same? The blessed assurance in Jesus. The truth that's found in Jesus. The hope of glory. King of kings. Lord of lords. The fruitfulness, the life, the multiplying that's found in Jesus. That is the thing that will not change. Some of us need to hear that God has not forgot or have left you out in the dark. You are not a stranger to him. 
if Paul, while in prison, can arrive at the story that to live is Christ, to live fruitfully in labor, to live fruitful, full of labor, that is to live, and then to die, wow, that's even more gain. I'm speaking to someone, I'm speaking to those of you, because I know in a room size of this, somebody in here is scared of dying. If you don't believe it, just look at how many people subscribe to life insurance policies every single day. And I'm not talking about the financial side aspect and protecting your family. I'm talking about the, the, the straight up fear part. Insurance salesmen can pretty much sell people on anything now. You can get a policy for your dog. You can get a policy for your ring. You can get a policy for anything that means anything to you. And what is that? We're selling fear. Fear is the currency of this world that we live in. And the currency of the kingdom is faith. Verse 25. Convinced of this. I know that I will remain and continue with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Verse 26, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you. I think it's very possible that Paul understood that the Holy Spirit doesn't just work and speak to us, but he also very much speaks through us and works through us, even in a hard season. Some of you have faced different things in your life. You've maybe lost a loved one. Maybe you have lost a marriage this year. Maybe you've gone through some other type of tough mental or emotional battle this year. And what is important here for us to grab is that God can work through us even in difficult seasons. He doesn't get rid of us whenever our seasons, when our seasons change. He's not like, hey, you're going through some stuff. I'll catch you when you're good. That's not God. He doesn't work like that. He doesn't give up on you. The temptation, I wrote this down, the temptation in tough seasons will always be to retreat. But the power of God is poured out when we reflect the evidence of his goodness, knowing that the blessed assurance we have in Christ Jesus. The power of God happens not when we retreat, but when we cry out. If you're facing something that's difficult, if you're facing something that's tough, it's not your duty to retreat. It's your duty to cry out. Because when you cry out, now you begin to reflect something that you could have never reflected on your own. I always love it when I see an anointed singer. Y'all know I love music. I'm a singer myself. But I always love when I see a singer that is really anointed versus a singer that's really talented. One sounds really good and really peculiar to the ear, but the other one moves you. One is very eloquent and, and, and really precise and all these different things and professional. But the other has the ability to break chains. And if you ever catch somebody who's really bad that has talent and anointing and has it submitted to the talent part... <laughs> Man, that thing can just really ripple a city down. Why? Because it is the Holy Spirit that works through us, even in bad times. Paul doesn't sit here and cancel his voice because he's in prison. He doesn't look in self-loathe and say, how can I preach right now? I'm in prison. 
How could I help anyone right now? I'm in prison. Will they listen to me? I'm in prison. That's what some of us do. When we go through certain sins, when we go through certain seasons where God is pruning us and God gives us a word, he he deals with us, he gives us a burden for something, we silence our voice because of the situation we're in. And we think that because we judge, (laughs) you know, we don't operate in compassion and judging. That's That's really not humanly possible without the Lord. We think that because we operate in one or the other that the Father can't operate and be judge and father. And if he's giving you the burden, he's saying, hey, live fruitful here. Trust me. Trust me to have grace on you to actually get this message out. I don't know who's in prison with some tough things right now. But God's saying, don't silence your voice. Reflect his goodness. How? When you worship, reflect his goodness. When you praise, reflect his goodness. Y'all, we have to kill this notion that church is somehow certain types of categories and responses. You know, like the, 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 the day that I'm looking forward to is when we have people that come into the church sitting where you're sitting and they're interceding the whole time. That if an unbeliever walks in here, there's so many people who are interceding and so engaged that they don't have to be on a, a, a platform or holding a mic to have power. But because of their identity and posture with the Father, they come in and they say, my role today is just to intercede and to praise God and to watch what my Father's about to do in here. Not be moved by an entertainer. How good can you entertain me? Oh, I'll respond if, if it's really good. I mean, if the band is amazing, then I'll respond. No, no, no. The church is powerful. You know why the church is powerful now in all these parts of the world that don't have even a half of this stuff that we have on stage? Because there's a hunger in them. There's a fire that's burning in them. And I want to ask some of you in here this morning, has your fire gone out? Because it's not up to us to be blowing on your fire, trying to kindle it. It's up to us to facilitate a place where that thing can happen in you and grow and swell. Anything other than that is manipulation. I've seen Pentecostal churches, people running all around everywhere where there was no fire. And I've seen stillness in a room that didn't look all charismatic, didn't look out there. And y'all get me. Y'all know my heart is, I'm, I am tongue talking. I'm everything you want to call in, whatever. But listen, just because it looks a certain way, just because it looked away in the 70s, doesn't mean it's going to look that way in 2020. And some of us are trying to chase what God has done in the, in the back and we're missing where he's pulling us because it doesn't look like what he's done. And so we want to sit here and curse the people of God and say that God ain't on that. Because I remember Brownsville. What? Do we, do we understand that God, <laughs> wow, how small do you think the kingdom of heaven is? That he doesn't, that the kingdom of heaven doesn't evolve in real time? With one word, he, 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 with one word, he created the entire existence that we have now, right now. And you telling me that you don't believe that God can do a new thing? Isaiah wrote it like this, forget the former things. For God's about to do a... But church people, religion has taught us that we need to just keep comfortable in what he did. 
Because I remember that feeling, JP. I remember getting that fire, JP. I remember If I could just have the fire I had at 30, if I could just have the fire I had at 40, if I could just have the fire back then, honey boo boo, it's gone. <laughs> Come into now. <laughs> Come into now. Come into now. I guarantee you, if you just begin to approach God and say, what now? Not saying God do it again, but look, I, if him doing it already was just a faith so that I'd have faith the next time to believe him again. Y'all, this is preaching to me of nobody else. I want to skip down to verse 29. And um, Tom, you can come back. Mike. Y'all can't leave this thought that if somebody in this room dies this week, if you transition this week, did we labor well? Did we, did we come into this assembly with an expectation that the Spirit of God could resonate in you so much so that you have a blessed assurance knowing that you're good? I'll never forget, I was 16 and I was in a car wreck and I had, I had lost control of the car. I, I think I'd fallen asleep or something. Um, but I don't know what happened, but it, I began to, uh, I, I must have like fell asleep at the wheel and I, I got up. And whenever I did, I tried to overcorrect. And when I overcorrected, the car sways across the road. I dodge one car. The car goes up and then towards a tree. Like up and then towards a tree. I land across an embankment. Airbag deploys. And I remember my last word at that point. And it wasn't... It wasn't into your hands, I commend my spirit. It wasn't that. <laughs> it was an expletive that starts with an S and ends with a T. Oh! In that moment, somebody has died. Can I bring it any way more close to home? In that same moment that God graced me to live through, somebody else died. I remember to reflect on myself and say, God, oh man, like, I really need help with what's in me because what's in me, you squeezed out. <laughs> Y'all, I want to be ready. I want you to be ready because there's no fear. There's no disease known to man on this world that can stop you from transitioning to a holy God. And I want to celebrate with your family. I don't want to sit there and try to coach them up that you were good and you really weren't. <sighs> draw us, God. Draw us. Draw us. Draw us by your spirit. Draw us by your spirit. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, God, and let us remember it. Let us really be real in this place. Let us be sons and daughters. And if we're not, God, call us out. Call us home. It's not worth preaching if it's not real. It's not worth teaching if it's not real.
Philippians 4 says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. This brother's in prison, but he's saying, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Those are the things that are fruitful. Those are the things that bear fruit. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. For he delights in the Lord both night and day. He shall be like a tree planted. God, we want to be planted in you. God, we want to be planted so deep in you that the, that the shakings and tremors of this world, God, they might shake off leaves, but they don't take us down. We will bear fruit. We will be a Psalms 1 revelation church, God, that says that we will bear fruit in and out of season. Whether through life or death, this body will bear fruit in and out of season. Stand to your feet. Lord, it is your spirit that makes the difference. And I just pray, God, here that, Lord, that as we've been a steward of your time and of your message this morning, that, God, you'd make our hearts pliable to you. You'd make our hearts soft towards you. That our ears would be inclined to hear you, O oh Father. That our hearts would respond to you this morning. And that, God, we wouldn't seek the insurance of this world, God, but we would seek the assurance of your heavenly kingdom. That we have a place that you are preparing for us, God. And that place is started even now. It's already started. You're already preparing it. You're already preparing us. And you're already giving us fruitful assignments. You're already giving us fruitful uh, assignments and labor, God. You're giving us people and fruitful relationships around us. And so, God, I pray that you would illuminate that to our eyes. Don't let us leave here unchanged, God. In your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today for our podcast. Eastside Church exists to help people encounter Jesus, be equipped to grow and engage their community. For more information, please go to our website at eastsidechurch.co.